What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I truly appreciate it. Today on the show, I have a really awesome episode for you guys. I talked to Ryan of Rally Roots. Ryan has been in the reselling game for a long time with his wife, Allie. I didn't really think about this, but Rally is Ryan and Allie. Rally Roots. Anyway, and uh, you know, he's got a lot of, lot of experience, but he came out of nowhere the beginning of COVID and got heavy into the vintage t-shirt game. So we get into that. We also talk a lot about eBay selling, lots of good tips and tricks from him on eBay selling. We talk about investing. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. He's a really nice guy and he's out there helping people. And I can appreciate that because I enjoy helping people. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. And that's probably why you're listening. Okay. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to do something new. This podcast is all about helping people and talking about the business, talking about different things that I'm into, marketing, and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and a side note here, if you're in this business, you are a marketer. You may not look at yourself like that and you may not think of yourself as a marketer, but you are. If you're working by yourself, if you're a one-man show, or even if you're a small business, typically the main part of your job is getting your product in front of people and selling it. And that is marketing. So have a marketing tip. Everyone wants to know how to get better engagement on Instagram. This is a very good tip. So take it, use it. When you reply to, it's very important to reply to everybody for one thing. It's very important to reply to your DMs and reply to comments on your posts. But a trick that you may not know is when someone hits you in the DM, if you send them a voice message reply, it triggers the algorithm to think that you are a close friend of that person. And now that person will see your posts more often and it'll bump you up, okay? That's my tip of the day. Reply to people in the DMs via voice message. Also, it's way easier. You know, if you have to sit there and type out all your messages, it sucks. You can literally talk, say what you gotta say, they hear your voice, it's personal and it bumps you up in the algorithm. That's the tip of the day. And without further ado, let's get in to the episode with Ryan of Rally Roots. the show dude what is up drew thanks for having me thank you for coming on we've been talking about this for a minute and finally we've connected i don't know, I know it's I funny heard, um sorry go ahead no i was gonna say we we talk on instagram all the time but this is this is the first time i've actually talked to you in person well face to face yeah 2020 i don't know where i first started following you it, it might have been your youtube to be uh-huh. honest um because you guys put out a lot of videos man we do you're on like we a video a day, I feel like. Bro, some, you know, sometimes I'll go through these like ups and downs where sometimes I'm like, let's just knock it out. 
and sometimes I just, I'm not inspired. Um, yeah. But lately I've been, the, the thrifts and stuff in this area open back up. So we've had content again, you know? So, and then we have Callie helping edit videos now too. So we can pump out a few more, but I love it. I love making those videos, you know? Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, they're, they're rad and they're helping people. So I, I definitely mm -hmm. appreciate that about you guys. But let's go back to the beginning here. You know, right. a lot of people know you from YouTube uh, because you're helping people. You have a mentorship program. Obviously, you're a big resale educator. And how did you, you know, I know you're from South Africa, correct? I am originally, yeah. Originally, yeah. We, we left South Africa. I was five years old when we left, but I was born there in uh, Durban. So, I mean, that's pretty young, but you obviously remember coming over, right? Yeah. And like my mom was born there. Her parents were born there. My dad was born in Scotland and then they moved to South Africa when he was young too. So like all of my family, all of my family was in South Africa and they now they've moved to Australia. So, oh, no way. Uh, but most of my extended family or most of my like not immediate family is overseas. Yeah. We so spent a year in Australia ourselves. They moved the whole family to Florida? No, no, to Australia. So just, just my parents and my brother and I moved okay. to Florida or we moved to Texas first, but ended up in Florida and the rest of my family is in now in Australia. What town are they in Australia? Uh, they're on the, in Western Australia. So like Perth area. Oh, hey. Yeah. They're shout out, shout there. out WA, shout out WA, yeah. man. There's some awesome people in Australia, some good, good resellers too. I spent, uh, when I was 21, I spent almost a year in Australia. I did the Eastern circuit, but I never made it to nice. uh, Perth. It's a different world. It was, um, it was definitely interesting, like going from kind of fast paced America to definitely more like laid back. It's like America 20 years ago in, in good and way bad cooler. ways. Yeah. <laughs> way cooler, clean, nice, good people, but it's crazy. <laughs> so what do you remember about when you first came to America, like differences from South Africa? Um, the thing that I remember like right off the top of my head is the food. Like immediately when we came to America, we were amazed at uh, fast food because we just didn't have it in South Africa. So like we went to Burger King, one of the first memories, we went to Burger King and you could get a Whopper for, I think it was 79 cents. And we each got five, we each got five <laughs> Whoppers and we just sat there and like pigged out. Uh, <laughs> Hilarious. So I was like, damn, I'm a five-year-old. Like, you're like, I'm in heaven right now. There's exactly. a character. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. funny. Yeah, but we spent I spent five years in Texas and then we came to Florida. So. Oh, nice. So I, I remember hearing you, you talked about it at one point. You were in a different business before you got into reselling, correct? Yep. What yep, was yep. it? Uh, so always in digital marketing. So my first like successful company was an SEO company, search engine optimization. Um, and it started off as like a print advertising company. We were literally making uh, door hangers and hang, hanging them on people's doors. And then our um, customers started asking us to get them online. So we made a classifieds website like Craigslist and just started putting them on, on that website. <clears throat> and, then, um, and then they started asking like, can you make us our own website? Can you get us ranked on Google? Um, so it, it all transitioned, no training or anything. It just all transitioned from one thing to another. Um, so was that, that your intro to YouTube was that was were you on YouTube no. going like check out my Ferrari I'm gonna make you a million dollars <laughs> <laughs> never never man none of that shit's ever real uh, <laughs> but no I mean it, it was I was young then too I was um, let's see I was 20 I was 21 years old when we sold that company so, so was that did you make a good profit on that company 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We made a decent profit on that. Um, that was the first time I was like comfortable. Um, but we started that company from literally nothing. Like we bartered for the office space that we were in. We didn't have money to pay for rent. And then we built it up and then we sold it. And then that, after we sold that company, that's when we went to Australia and I started the same company over there. So all web, website design, search engine optimization, getting people ranked on Google. Did you sell because you were moving or did you already plan to sell? Uh, we had already planned to sell. So we got approached by a, a larger company and they just wanted our clients. So we just sold them the book. Cool. And how was it successful over in Australia too? It was more successful in Australia because we took techniques that we developed here to a market that, like I said, was 10, 20 years behind. So when we got there, we were doing stuff that they just weren't doing yet. Um, so yeah. we were able to grow the company super, super fast. And we only spent a year in Australia um, and we grew the company and then came back. And we still, we had a company in Australia for another year after we left Australia. So two years there. So um, I didn't really know this, but there's a lot of value in, in working in marketing before you do what you do 100%. now, of course. Yeah. So if you could think of like a couple things that you took from your time in marketing to what you do now, like what would it be like? Yeah, I think yeah. about this all the time because a lot of people in vintage and reselling in general, I think a lot of people forget to, you're, I mean, you are a marketing company, right? If you want to sell something, you have to market yourself. And I think the biggest thing that people forget to do is brand themselves. Um, and I think that's something that we're, we're really, really good at is we've branded ourselves really well around Rally Roots. Um, so now when people hear that, they recognize us for reselling and YouTube and vintage or whatever. Um, but we, we were very particular when we chose to brand ourselves under Rally Roots because we didn't, want to, um, we didn't want to lock ourselves into doing only one thing, right? So we didn't call ourselves Rally Roots eBay store or how to sell you know, on Amazon, Rally, you know what I mean? So we didn't yeah. like... It's, it wasn't Ryan's eBay store. It was, it was rally roots. Like we can do whatever we want. If I want to start flipping houses, we can do that. It's all about, it's all just about selling stuff and making and investing, Right. Um, yeah, but I, I think that's, yeah. And, and it's hard, it's hard once you're locked into something uh, it's hard to pivot into something else. If you've already branded yourself. And I use this all the time. I use the story of, I don't know if you know this person, but there's another reseller who goes by uh, he goes by daily refinement now. Shout out Chris. Oh. So he went by, he went by 10 K on the Bay to begin with. And his whole marketing was selling 10 or listing 10,000 items on eBay. Um, when he started transitioning off of eBay into other things, he was still branded as that. And then he started transitioning himself, but it took him a long time to start getting recognized as a different brand because he locked himself into eBay. Yeah. So, you know, I would say if you're well, thinking about branding yourself, don't call yourself, you know, Depop seller, Ryan. Yeah. Fair game, dude. Yeah. And I promote the shit out of that too. I promote personal branding. I tell this to people mm -hmm. all the time, the market for, for most businesses is super saturated. So like, how do you differentiate yeah. yourself and you need to yeah. put your face forward and you're right. Like, uh, not pigeonholing. When we did Frankie collective, that was one of the things we didn't want to make it like Frankie vintage because we're like, well, well maybe we won't always sell just vintage Exactly. But Frankie reworks. Maybe we won't always just sell reworks. So now right. collective, I can be like, we're going into a different market. We're bringing right. a different product mix on and it still works, you know? Yeah. Good point, man. Um, okay. So let's get into eBay because okay, I have a lot of points. I have like a huge list of stuff to talk to you about. Dude, I'm here. Let's go. go. Lot, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> I love this. So let's go. Cool. So you have a mentorship program, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Um, and it's based around eBay. But eBay like was where you started in the resale game, right? Correct. So what, where else do you sell at, at this point now? So uh, we sell on, on Depop, we sell on um, Amazon, we have a couple eBay stores, and then we have a, a larger wholesale business as well, where we sell wholesale to other resellers. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard you in the past promote eBay over a lot of other, or like people have asked you, why don't you open a website? And you're like, well, why? Because there's already so much built-in marketing yeah. power in eBay, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk about that for a little bit here. Like, you know, you haven't, you haven't done your own, like you are doing more of it now with the vintage, but still like mm -hmm. you're still going hard on eBay, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Most, most like single item pieces we still sell on eBay. Uh, it's still a good platform. I mean, they have millions and millions of people, uh, a built-in network of people buying. So why not use them? I think it's worth it. You know, even the fees are what they are. Like I would rather pay, I would rather pay eBay a 10% finder's fee to find a, a buyer yeah. than pay, you know, 10 grand to build a really good website and then another 20 grand to market that website to find that one buyer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you look at eBay, it's still comparable price-wise, fee-wise to Depop, to Amazon, it all those things, right? It is. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, focusing on a particular platform. If all you do is vintage and all you, the only place you want to list is Depop because that's where all your buyers are, I think that's okay. But I would still say like cross-post onto eBay because there's still a lot of buyers there. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why, there's a reason why we focus on eBay and Amazon. And it's because they're the two largest e-commerce websites in the world. Like that's, those are the websites that people use to buy stuff. Even something like Poshmark um, and Depop, like they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like you can sell stuff on there, but they don't have nearly the traffic that eBay or Amazon have. So why wouldn't you want to be on the platforms that are the largest platforms? Yeah, of course. We started on eBay back in the day. Yeah. Originally, we were just selling on eBay. It was the glory days. This is like 2003. Oh, right. You could sell any vintage t-shirt. There was like, you could probably count all the big sellers on two hands. You know what I mean? Back in That's those crazy. days. That's crazy. So it was awesome. That's you so could, cool. Like, yeah. We would find lots of great stuff and we sold everything. We sold a mix of everything and our business grew because of eBay and then we branched out. And when mm -hmm. I look at eBay now, like there's still certain things I'll sell on eBay because mm -hmm. there's still certain things where doesn't fit my market or my, mm -hmm. my following or F as in Frank's following or Frank's sure. following. So like, I always have a pile going of like these things I know will do well. Right. right? So we kind of so use it as like you, a secondary thing, but it still brings in good money. Do you have like particular things? Cause I'm the same way. Right. So like certain things um, I'll, we'll put on Instagram and they'll go in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, certain vintage pieces, but something like, like eighties raglans, those go really well for us on eBay. And I think maybe because there's more of an international market on eBay. And a lot of the times those go overseas because they're smaller and there's, there's Plus, more collectors. The customer for that is a bit of an older person, probably. Sure. And they're more yeah, used right. to buying on eBay. Whereas like, right. they're like, they're not sitting watching a live on their phone, probably. Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, for me, there's lots, like we do a lot of jerseys. So like whenever we get good gamers mm -hmm. or like authentics, we put them on eBay because the audience sure. is there. Basically any yeah. good sports does well. Yep. True. Um, certain brands, like, you know, if it's a designer brand, but it doesn't fit in with my Frankie vibe, it'll go on there. Mm. Or like Filson kills it on eBay because that customer yes. there. Um, I just found a great Filson piece the other day. I yeah. love that brand. Yeah. Yeah, Filson's great. And we usually get a lot because we're in the Northwest, right? I know. I'm jealous. 
Um, so yeah, there's definitely stuff, you know, like outerwear, yeah. like North Face Arc'teryx in the fall. You can sell a ton of that stuff on there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, good question. Cause that brings me into what's your top five things to sell on eBay. On eBay. Okay. Um, so when we first started out, like when we first started reselling, we would literally sell, and I think this is the right way for most people to start. Um, we would sell anything that we could make money on. And I think that's important because it's, it's one of the best ways to learn. And then as you grow, you can start narrowing things down into certain categories. But now I would say my favorite things to sell on eBay would be obviously vintage. I like vintage t-shirts. Um, I love selling those higher end jackets. So North Face, Arc'teryx, um, Canada Goose, stuff like that. Uh, and then shoes for us is a big one, but we don't sell with shoes. Like we sell, I call them like common consumables. So shoes that people use and then they fall apart eventually. And then they rebuy. We don't sell any like hype shoes. We probably should, but we don't. Um, so we sell like Merrell's, we sell Keen's, we sell like, like active outdoor footwear and it's, they sell really well for us on eBay uh, and we can get them a lot. So I do notice that you guys sell a lot of shoes and that's something I've yeah. never really delved into. So you're saying Merrill, Keen, what other brands are good? Uh, so like even like work shoes, like dance go shoes sell really well. Um, LL Bean, certain LL Bean shoes sell well. Timberland. Um, let's see. North Face shoes sell well. Patagonia shoes sell well. Yeah. Um, pretty much like any outdoor, outdoor brand we will sell. Yeah. And for people getting in the game on eBay, what about tips for selling beyond what to post, but like just back end tips? Like you got mm -hmm. a couple good tips that help you get more traction? Yeah, I think the biggest tip I can give is like look at sold comps before you buy something. Um, so there's nothing, in my opinion, like it, we all have to learn, right? And there's nothing wrong with looking up an item and learning how much it's selling for. Don't just buy something assuming that it's going to sell for a lot of money. Like actually look it up and look at sold, go to sold comps on eBay and just make sure the item is selling for what you think it is selling for. Um, and then <clears throat> when you do that, if you click on sell similar or sell one like this, instead of creating your own listing, use what's already out there. Cause all that stuff automatically uploads to your listing, your titles there. You can just tweak the title. Don't copy it 100%, but tweak the title, make sure you're taking really good pictures, take at least four pictures, um, put in as many item specifics as you can and your stuff will sell. I mean, if you're buying, if you're buying in demand items, they're going to sell. And what about, uh, algorithm info? Like, do you guys, you guys are probably <laughs> up on your eBay news, right? Like eBay, yeah. eBay used to just be like everything like chronological it just pops up and now they obviously went to an algorithm system do you have any tricks it's, yeah it's funny because it like it totally takes me back now how ebay is now it takes me back to my google seo days because it's the same exact thing like no one knows exactly how cassini which is google's uh, search algorithm no one knows exactly how it works but there are certain things you can do like make sure that your, the brand is the first thing that you put in the title. So if I'm selling a pair of Nike shoes, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put men's shoes, size nine Nike. I'm going to start it off with the brand because that's the thing that most people search for to begin with. So Nike and then the model and then the color and then the gender and then the size. Um, and then the other thing is the, the title is the most important thing you can, you can, uh, 
customize or you can SEO on eBay. So as many relevant keywords as you can put in your title, I suggest using the entire title. Uh, don't ever use all caps. Uh, that's one thing that the search engine doesn't like. Don't use all caps in your title. Don't use special characters like stars or asterisks or anything like that. Um, don't use emojis. It, you're pretty much, it's, it's weird, but you're writing, you're trying to write code that the search engine is going to read and then go, okay, this is what, if, if a person searches for Nike shoes, that, that robot crawls the listing and goes, the first, the first thing I'm reading says Nike shoes. And then let me look at everything else. There's other keywords, you know, there's the, the, the sizes in there, the colors in there, uh, the pictures look good, all the, the, the descriptions in there, all the item specifics. Let's put this one up to the top because everything's in there in the correct way. And, you know, somebody on another podcast, we talked about eBay a lot. This is an old one. Yeah. They were saying that the first three to five words in the title are the most important and it starts to rank them less and less as the title goes on. So yeah, they were saying like putting vintage in front in the first word is not optimal because it uses that instead of what it actually is. Yeah. So it depends. Um, it depends what you're selling though, too, because if everybody's going to eBay and searching vintage nineties t-shirt, if that's all they're searching, then you would kind of want that to be at the beginning of your title. That's true. Uh, but it, with, with vintage, I still think that putting the, the uh, brand or the material, the, you know, like the shirt behind you, lawnmower man, if I was listing that shirt, I would put the lawnmower man vintage 90s t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I know people that go to the extent to just search the word t-shirt and they sit there for so long going through listings. I'm like, how do you shop like that? You're just like, you have to, look through like 10,000 items to find something. Yeah. But everyone's got yeah. their own search, search ways, you know, I'll do that sometimes for myself. I'll do like t-shirt and then, or vintage t-shirt and then just my size and just look if I'm looking for something yeah. for myself, trying to like, snipe something, you know, I'll do that. But they're trying to yeah. hope that somebody put a vintage tee up without using the term vintage. So they're just, oh, that's tough, man. I'm like, that's a long process. That's tough. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so you have the mentorship program and this helps people learn yeah. mostly about eBay, right? Yeah. It's probably like 90% eBay, 10% like sell uh, your program, man. Why should people join? This so program? you know what though? I, the one thing that I will say is, is that you don't need a mentorship program. You don't need a course to be successful in this. That's the first thing I'll say. Like we didn't have one. There's enough free information out there that you could do it yourself. And sometimes the best way to do it is to go and make mistakes yourself. Uh, and you don't have to go and spend thousands of dollars on a course to have someone teach you who isn't actually even doing it themselves. That's the, that's the first thing I'll say. Okay. <laughs> um, but don't but yes. So your course yeah, isn't even thousands of dollars. Your course is no, like, no, it's, it's 500 bucks. Yeah. It's 500 bucks. And I, I hate even calling it a course. We call it a mentorship program because we take on only, we take on 75 people at a time. And then we, we guide them through, like we try to hold their hand from beginning to end, showing them what we've done. So obviously we have like a library of videos that walks them through everything. Um, but we want people to have like personal access to us where they can send us questions and we can answer them, you know, even on buys, like a lot of the times just being a sounding board for someone where if I'm transitioning from buying, you know, one thing at a time to a hundred things at a time. And I have someone who's, who's been there, done that. And I can send them an email and say, Hey, do you guys think that this is a good buy? And then we can look at it and go, yeah, man, go for it or probably not. So, but it's, I mean, I love it. We've, we've worked with, I think like 1100 people total now. 
which is crazy. It's crazy to think. Um, but it, for us, it's, it's one of the coolest things to see people go from, uh, just starting or, um, or like getting their feet wet to, you know, doing 10, $20,000 a month. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's definitely rewarding. You know, I agree with what you say a little bit, you know, the best way to learn is to make the mistakes. You got to make mistakes and everyone will make sure regardless. But I do think there's so much value in, in having all that information in one place, at least to kickstart your journey, right? It's, it's a shortcut. It really is. Yeah. So, you know, what would, what took us two years to accomplish, we try to get people to be able to, to have the information to be able to do it in six months. So it's like, it is, I mean, it's a, it's a shortcut. These are the mistakes that we made. Here's, here's some tips on how to go from A to Z. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On to the next topic, my man, t-shirts. T-shirts. Let's go. Okay. First question. Here. <laughs> yeah, um, go. There was a lot of talk in the industry about you guys because you guys jumped out of nowhere. Well, not Fair out of enough. nowhere. You're, you're, you're resellers <laughs> already, but you jumped out of your reselling everything to suddenly yeah. becoming massive players yeah. in the vintage t-shirt world. Sure. And like, well, first of all, what was this decision? And like, where did it come from? And like, you, yeah. you just went freaking head first. Yeah. Love, love and hate, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, there's definitely some love and hate out there. I know, I know, I know. Um, so I've always loved vintage for years, like personally, love collecting vintage. We've always sold it too, but nowhere near in the scale that we've gotten into it in 2020. And the main reason why we, got, we jumped into it so heavily is because of COVID, like because everything was locked down. We didn't really have... Um, our, our certain wholesalers that we dealt with, we didn't have access to inventory anymore. And for us, it was ca- kind of like a means to an end. We, we went, okay, well, what do we love? What do we still love doing? Uh, we love vintage. We love the vintage community. How do we get into it in a heavy, heavy way? And we just looked at it and go, okay, well, a lot of people out there in the vintage community aren't really, I hate to say it, but they're not really running it like a business. People are collectors, which is awesome. I'm a collector too, um, but people aren't, people aren't like really taking advantage of the opportunity because it's such a big opportunity. Yeah. I want to interject something. It's funny that you say you started with COVID because I've talked about this too. Out of adversity comes innovation and that's essentially what happened. You, you needed to make a move and you found this new way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, also, and you're you so know, right about the vintage sellers not doing it like a business. Cause I talk about this too. And I was thinking yeah. about all my people I've had on the podcast and I'm like, hmm. I've only talked to, handful that even have any employees it's it's strange it's strange but it's it's rare in vintage and listen there's nothing wrong with that too like it's okay to be a collector there's nothing wrong with buying shirts and then making a little bit of money on them or not even making any money on them just being a collector no issue with that Um, but for us like we like you said we have employees we have people to pay we have bills we have mortgages and you know we have things we have to pay and for us we run vintage we run vintage like a business. I love t-shirts. Um, there's shirts that I have that will never be for sale. Um, but most things are for sale. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, like most things, most of the time it's just a t-shirt and we will sell it. So explain to us the business model of what you guys are doing in vintage. Cause from the outside okay. looking in, you're selling a lot of pieces as is you're yep. doing Instagram sales. You're putting some on yep. your eBay store. You've, you've now merged with, New York state of mind, or uh-huh. I don't know how that partnership goes, but you can explain he it works. 
he works for us. Okay. Um, he's an he's an employee. He's an employee. Okay, because it it's, from the outside it might look like he's a partner essentially. Um, and then you're also doing like these massive wholesale drops and selling off in bundles. Yes. So give us like a rundown of your model here. So I mean, you pretty much explained it. We're we're trying to buy in. We'll buy in in bulk that most people can't buy. So uh, you know we're not we're trying really not to buy like five hundred dollar boxes. We're trying to buy. $10,000 to $20,000 collections at a time. And again, going back to COVID, we, we were able to initially get our feet wet in that market because um, a lot of these vintage stores, physical locations were closed. closed. Yeah. Plus yes. there's, there's a lot of fear in the market. So people so think much fear. I'd rather sit on cash than t-shirts right now. Correct. Um, so the, the stores were closed, no markets going on at all. Um, so now you have people with a massive amount of inventory that all they do is markets. They were building up to, to open their own store, but now they're just stuck with inventory. They can't sell it anywhere. A lot of these guys didn't even sell on eBay. A lot of these guys didn't, didn't list their stuff anywhere. Yeah. So for us, it was, um, it was a way to go, okay, well, one, we could cash these guys out. So at least they're getting some sort of income coming in. And it's obviously beneficial for us too, because we get the pieces for less than what we can sell them for. So we're buying um, thousands and thousands of pieces a week and then breaking it down into, you know, maybe super high end pieces we'll sell on Instagram or on eBay. Uh, mid to high pieces we'll bundle up into 10, 20, 30 piece lots and then drop them on our website. People buy them. Um, and then we'll do like lower mid lots, 40, 50 T's at a time. Same thing. Drop them in boxes that way. And, uh... and, and, and just to clarify as well, our model and this is, this is funny too, because I actually had this conversation with a, another vintage seller because they were like, dude, what you're doing is stupid. How are you not doubling your money on the inventory that you're buying? And I'm like, dude, that's not, a, that's, that's not any business. Like no business doubles their money on everything. That's crazy. The biggest companies in the world, if they're, if they're netting 20%, that's amazing, right? Yeah. So, so for us, it's a volume game. Right. If, if we're spending $10,000 to make $3,000 net, awesome. Super happy with that. If I could make a 30% return on my money, sweet. And especially if, if you have the systems in place to run it through. Like yeah. if it doesn't take you a ton of work, you can, you can get that $10,000 box in, get it out within the week or whatever, and you made your three grand. Yeah. Do that a few times. You're doing, you're doing great. Right. And I do speak about this a lot too, because I think too many people are, are held up in what you just said doubling the money on the t-shirt or tripling the yeah. money or five times in their money. or like, you know, this shirt's worth, I'm going to hold out for a thousand on this shirt. And you're like, you could be holding out for months, years. Yeah. It, they don't differentiate like the thousand dollars they want for the shirt and the amount of money they want to make in a month. See, I'm focused on like how much money mm. I need to make in the month to get to my goals. I had financial goals, yep. business goals, just like I'm sure you do. Yep you got to be focused on the end result. Like what's the point of it all versus like just doubling on a t-shirt. Yeah. Again, unless you don't really care about the money, which is a lot of people in vintage you don't. And, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but for, again, for us, it's a business. And then going back to what you said, like, because this, the, the bulk vintage side of things for us is it's still fairly new. Like we only got heavy, heavy into it in 2020. So and we absolutely made mistakes at the beginning. Like we've been, it's been a trial and error type thing to get our feet wet into the community. I'm sure we pissed a lot of people off, but you know, it's funny. <laughs> there's, <laughs> you know, there's it's funny talks. though. Yeah, 100%. Right, for but... sure. Um, but what's funny is like, 
a lot of the people that we pissed off are now like our, our really good friends because they realize like we're not, we're literally not out to ruin anything. We're not trying to kill the community. We're not trying to hurt vintage. I love vintage. I love it. Um, and all we want to do is, is benefit the community, but still make money doing it. We still have to make money doing it. So. Of course. Um, you know, I think it all plays into everything. 2020 has been a crazy year for vintage mm. since COVID. COVID changed the game completely. And like part of what yeah. you got, obviously your whole business model came out of it, but it also, what you guys are doing has played into the market because you're offering right. bundles that are, then kid can buy and he can go on the virtual flea, which is a new thing yep. and sell it or yep. do his own lives and just sell. Which that, a- I mean, what an amazing, what is it? What an amazing innovation right there. Like to, and I'll be honest with you. When I first saw um, 1980 start doing that virtual flea, I was like, you know, this could either go one of two ways. It could either crash and burn or blow up. And it went, it blew up, which is so cool. It's so cool to see it, you know? And, yeah, and it I works like we, yeah, we're now we're doing the lives too. And we totally took that idea and, and ran with it. And it's awesome. It's cool to see. I love seeing, um, on, on his lives too. And, and props to him. Cause he goes live for like, what, like 12 hours. It's crazy. Dude, it's crazy. I've sat down on podcast. I'm like, bro, how do you do this all day? Like I would burn out. That's a lot of talking. He's a, a machine. Of, like, he's a machine. Yeah. But then we you, went look live. At, you look at his business model too, like talking about business models. It's like, yeah, he charges for the flea. So, oh, yeah. so he's making great money every weekend just oh, yeah. from having the ability to help other people sell. And I he love platform. that because it's, it's creating money in our business without having to buy and sell a t-shirt. Yeah. It's awesome. Just like you do with YouTube and mentoring and other things. It's like creating secondary revenue streams from this yep. business without the actual act of buying and selling vintage, you know? Yeah. And how important is that? Like having multiple revenue streams is, I think as a reseller is the most important thing. Like if all we sold was vintage t-shirts, I would be broke because I've spent so much money buying these tees. <laughs> like we have so much money in inventory. Um, but luckily we have other avenues that continue to make money. Like Shoes. I, have, I have that on the list here. I want to talk about it. But before we get off the t-shirt topic, yeah. we got yeah. to talk about you guys getting burned on deals. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So obviously we've seen you post about it and you're buying massive quantities. Like you, I see you yeah. post about that too. So you're buying, I don't know, thousands of, you know, tens of thousands a week worth of yep. product. Yep. What kind of percentage are you getting burned? And then also like, do you in your own business model have a percentage that you're okay with? getting burned as like a, it's called like a loss, a loss to the company. Yeah. That's a super good question actually. Yeah. So we try at the, so at the beginning we were buying everything. So we, we definitely got bur- burned more when we first started doing this, lost a little bit of money here and there. Um, but now we try to, we try to see at least like half of the pieces that we're going to be get, getting before they show up. Um, so now I would say we're not getting burned um, maybe one out of 50 deals will, will get slightly burned on. And then we try to at least work with the person and be like, Hey man, this really wasn't very good. Um, do you want to like take it back or do you want to like send us something else? Or I don't know. What do you want to do? And most people are willing to do that. Um, you know, us included, we've sent out boxes where people have been like, Hey man, I, I wanted to triple my money on this and I can only double. And I'm like, sure, man, here's some more t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> but Actually, it's um, funny you say that because I've yeah. talked to people who bought from you. I bought from you guys, just chefs shooting that out there. I bought yeah. a bunch of NASCAR bundles and stuff. And 
it's always been good transaction. And then a couple people said that you always, you always came correct if anybody had an issue with the bundles. Again, man, like this isn't, um, this isn't a fly by night thing for us. We've been doing this for eight years full time now. So I'm not going to let my reputation get ruined over 500 bucks. I don't care. You know what I mean? The only time we'll ever have someone um, like where we're not able to fix an issue is if they want to use our name for views. That's it. It's only happened one time with some kid that put out a YouTube video. So what, he put Raleigh Roots in the title? <laughs> yeah, it was the second YouTube video ever. And it's got 10 times the amount of views that his other videos have. Which is, which, I, and now that I'm saying that, oh, because we're probably he, gonna... he, did he open a bundle on the video? Yeah. Also, yeah. oh, yeah. you There's got because all... he's like, don't put my name in the video? No, no, or no, you... no, no. He opened a uh, uh, pack that we sent him. Yeah. And he was like, this is, this is, he, he called it like a scam. Oh, okay. But there's a whole thing around it. I don't really want to get into it. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I did, I did the question, I shouted out the questions on Instagram and somebody wrote, yeah. Tell us about the 9K bundle that was dry rot. Is there, is there a story about dry rotted? Yeah, I don't want to say any names yet because it's, it's still an yeah. ongoing thing. Um, and we're, it's the, the items that we bought from this particular person are getting back to him on Wednesday and Thursday. We sent everything back. So we're expecting a refund. We'll see what happens. Um, if we don't, we'll go from there. But yeah, it was uh, $9,100 and it was a complete bait and switch, man. Like he, fa he FaceTimed us, showed us all the pieces, everything on, it was a, like mostly band tees, everything on giant tags and uh, Winterland tags. And there were 50 uh, X-Files tees on Stanley tags. Every single X-Files tee was dry rot, like ripped to shreds, ripped to shreds. There weren't that many in there. And then everything else was uh, screen printed tags or like new Gildan tags. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the guy just thought like he could fuck us over and, and make a quick nine K, but hell no. Luckily I paid with a business credit card. Um, and we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. So that question just got to give them a shout out came from seeking treasures underscore seeking treasures underscore. Yeah, dude. So what do you recommend about protecting yourself when you're doing purchases like this? How else you're obviously that guy could process a credit card. So he was a legit dealer or something. But yeah. a lot of people can't process cards. So do you send always goods and service? Uh, it depends how big the deal is and if we've worked with the person before. So if it's, uh, if it's like a new person that we're buying from, usually we'll do a test run. So, you know, if, we, if they want to sell us five grand worth of stuff, we'll, do, we'll say, okay, we'll buy, you know, a, a few hundred dollars worth of stuff and send it friends and family. Let's see what happens and see how it shows up. And then we'll finish, finish the transaction after that. But I have no problem sending friends and family if we know the person and we've dealt with them before. Obviously, we still have to make sure for tax purposes that everything's documented. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I, we don't have to send goods and services all the time, but if it's a new person and there's no, you know, they don't want to do a test or something, 100% I'll pay with the credit card. Yeah. So you can open a dispute if we need to. Yeah. Good call. I get that a lot. I see, I hear people hitting me up going like, I gave this guy friends and family he totally burned me. Yeah. Like it was a first time transaction. And I'm like, so, and that's the thing though, too, is like how many of those we, cause we hear that all the time too, but more, most of the time it's on deals under, under a grand. Oh yeah. Because any, any company charging you over a thousand dollars for something, they should have a merchant account. They should be able to do that goods and services. So yeah. if they're asking you to wire them money or send your friends and family for 10 grand, like probably don't buy from that person. 
And like 10 grand to you is relative to like 500 to half the sellers out there, you know, because you're dealing in sure. huge quantities. But dude, it's still money. It's still stress. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I, I don't want to lose 500 bucks either. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I definitely don't want to lose 9,000. <laughs> yeah, I got another question. This comes from Scotty underscore Pimpin 10. No, Scotty underscore Pimpin 210. He says, what does he think of people saying he sells reprints or reproductions of teas? I, I so, have history with this. This is a random question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally, I'll totally take that one. Um, we bought a, a lot of $5,000 worth of anime tees. And uh, I think three of them ended up being like new bootleg prints. And they were, they were initially listed as vintage. And then we took it down and listed it as a uh, new bootleg. And then they sold. They sold for more. I think people got mad because they sold for more than what they dropped for. But they were sold out. Like they dropped, I think they dropped for like 60 bucks and then we sold it for like 120. So we like doubled our money on them. Is that um, the only but, time you've had fakes come in boxes or, or new? No, screens? no, I've had, um, we've had a, a, like fake rap tees before and we've had to deal with the seller and get our money back on stuff like that. But and again, um, it's all. So just quick, like when you get that stuff, like is your knowledge good enough now that you've been handling a lot of tees to tell right away or did it take you a bit to learn how to tell? Cause some of them are really good. Yeah. Dude, now, now it is, to be honest with you, like um, I, I've handled so many pieces that I think that my education in the past few months has been like, you know, like all of this information coming in at once, where now I think I have the, I have the knowledge of someone who's been in the game for five, six years, um, just because I've bought so much shit, right? And I've, I've been looking at all this stuff and I've seen all these fakes and I've seen the real deal too. So, but, really, but the other thing- important that, that fact that you say that, like, there's, yeah. no, there's nothing that can replace touching a lot of product. Like oh you can't my God, learn yeah. any other way about vintage. Like if you want to know about Levi's, you got to see a shitload of Levi's. Like after years of doing it, I could see a teeny piece of denim sticking out of a bin. And I'm like, that's like a, that's an old piece of denim. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. Yeah, you can't, that's why I say like, people should go like intern for people, go help people yeah. be around it. Cause that's the only way to yeah. really learn. Yeah. I think one of the best ways to learn would be as, as like a young kid, if you want to get into vintage, like go uh, work at a vintage store, go work at the counter and go look at everything that's coming in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but we're still learning every day too. That's the other thing. Like, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that either. You know, I know like we get a lot of hate sometimes too, because we're, we're new into vintage, even though like I've been personally buying it for myself for a while. Like I have pieces, vintage pieces that I've had for five, six years in my closet. Um, but I, I think that the, some of the vintage community is, is uh, kind of mean to new people getting into it. And I think that there's something wrong, you know, there's, there, that's wrong because we need those new people those new people coming in or buyers, they're going to go and find the inventory and dig it up. And, you know, everybody starts somewhere. That's the whole thing. Like you have to give people a chance. I hate it when, when someone's like, no, you can't sit with us because you don't know shit about anything. You know what I mean? Like, let me learn. I want to learn. <laughs> yeah. I, I liken it to, um, uh, you know, other industries where if you were, if you're a plumber or you, you want to be a plumber, you're going to apprentice with a plumber. That, that plumber is going to teach you everything he knows. And he's going to, he knows the whole time that eventually you're going to go off and you're going to start right. your own business and you're going to be a plumber. Right. But within vintage, that mentality is completely gone because people are scared of the size of the business. They think it's going to take their market share. Yeah. And new people coming in is going to screw it up. 
but it's funny where we're at right now because when you look at it you're like wow prices yeah. are going fucking nuts yeah. sure it might make it a little harder to source sometimes but we wouldn't be where we are the popularity of it like you wouldn't even be in the game if this new wave of vintage t-shirts was going off you know and it's correct like, it takes more people to be involved to make it what it is today yeah and i think 2020 has proven how big of a industry it actually is it's yeah. massive it's massive. It's crazy yeah so where do you Even think out- like you know you, we talked about the flea for a second there and you did your own live yeah. how did your own live go it went awesome man we did uh just under three grand in three hours so it was, it was good it was fun good people nice. and um you invest i see you post about investing i know you're in the market you just bought yep. the new rally roots ranch congrats on that looks like a Thank really you. cool property appreciate you know, it. it's peaceful Ah, nice. I'm all for investing and buying property myself. Um, and when you do invest and you look at the markets and you look at historical trends of hmm. money and everything, it kind of makes you look at vintage in the same way a little bit. So yes. what are your thoughts on the market, where it's going, how high we could possibly go and like what's next here? Oh, that's such a, that's such a hard question. You know, it's, it's, it's tough right now because I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody really knows. Like for me, if I'm looking at the market and I go an Aladdin T just sold for $6,000, shout out heat broker, couldn't have gone to a better person, but that's fucking crazy. Right. <laughs> right? Jumped from like three, three or four K. So it like, yeah. All of a sudden, that was the top marker, and now six K is the top marker. It's like, what's going to be the next top marker? Yeah. So, I, I think that, um, I think we're definitely at a top peak on certain things. I think we're at the top peak on Disney for sure. And that's the crazy thing is like it's so hard to read the market because stuff that we were wholesaling four months ago for. 10 bucks a piece, Disney pieces, I'm watching sell for $150, $200, yeah. which is crazy. You know what I mean? Totally. totally. Actually, the, st- the one story you asked me to share like a story on vintage, I want to, sh- this is a good leeway into that because I have the piece here. Check this okay, out. Okay, nice. Let's see it. So the hype on the Ben and Jerry's Oh pieces, yeah, man. So this, right? is the, this is the Ben and Jerry's. I'm just going to explain it for everyone. So it's the all over print with the cow field, the, the the clouds that obviously matches the shoes. And this is the liquid blue one. Liquid okay. blue. Nice. So, okay. So here's the thing. I love Ben and Jerry's and I love vintage, right? So this was a Christmas present. Oh, no, I got to get the screenshot. Allison bought me this t-shirt. Let's see if I can hold it up. December 14th, 2018. She bought it on eBay. Nice. For $24. <laughs> gold man okay it's a good investment. So like it is it's a good investment but who would have known at that point that the chunky donkeys were even i mean i didn't even know they were coming out right so and then who knew the hype was going to be so crazy around them now it's a 300 dollars t-shirt yeah totally. so but that's what i'm saying is like it's so hard to read the market same thing with like with like grateful dead tees because the the shoe trend now is following the clothing fashion trend too. So like I love Grateful Dead tees just because of the designs and all of my all of the t-shirt values now have gone up because people are trying to match their kicks. Yep. And right? uh, Yeah, and I think not only that, obviously like when when shoes drop and it's, you know, like Travis Scott wore a different pair of dunks, they went up like 40% in one day. Yes, that stuff drives the hype. Crazy. But it also the hype of shoes 
is the same the same customer is hyping on shoes now is hyping on t-shirts so i feel like that yes. mentality helped the t-shirt market grow because yes. they're used to that they're used to paying a thousand bucks for a pair of shoes or two thousand right five thousand right so it doesn't seem crazy when they're coming out of pocket for that for a t-shirt it doesn't and i think that that crossover might be what keeps the prices high and sustains it. The hype people coming over and buying and paying these ridiculous prices, I think that might sustain it because it's it's been sustainable with shoes and Supreme and vape and all that good stuff. Um, but if it wasn't for that, I if I if it wasn't for that and I could short the vintage market, I would probably short it right now. <laughs> so funny you say that. I just watched the big short last night. Yeah. I believe about 2008 crash. Bro, so like fun. The economy is nuts. Like people are absolutely losing their jobs. I'm watching, I'm watching retail businesses go under like left and right. The stock market's at an all time high. Um, it's just crazy. Like, I don't know. So me personally, I'm still investing, but I'm, I'm like 90% liquid right now because I'm scared. Besides yeah. vintage t-shirts, I have a lot of money in vintage t-shirts. <laughs> um, but, well, let's but, talk about that for a second then. Like uh, you're 90% liquid because you're, yeah. you're, you're worried about an impending deep, deep dip, right? Coming. Correct. And I, and I want to be able to capitalize on it. Yeah. So when, you know, any predictions on when or how that might come about or you just stay in liquid till you see the dip? Yeah, I think it's, it probably has a lot to do with the election and what happens in 2021. Is there going to be another shutdown in America? Um, if there is, I think that's, it's probably the end unless there's some crazy stimulus that comes out. I don't know, but have people can't live off doing another stimulus beyond the, um, 600 bucks. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's supposed, there was like another stimulus package in place that hasn't been released yet. As far as I know. Yeah. Cause I know, I know a lot of business in America, in America, even in Canada, we got a lot of money. Uh, businesses got the money, but also citizens yeah. got the money. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are spending their stimulus money. Now, first of all, everyone's got to pay tax on this money. That's the same in America, right? No. Or is it tax-free? I believe it's tax-free. See, in Canada, people are getting two grand a month, but about 600 bucks of that's tax. So all these sure. people getting this money are going to get that's hit with a lot, tax though. bills. Yeah. Americans, Americans got 1200 bucks once. Yeah, but don't, aren't, isn't everyone getting like $2,400 in unemployment right now too, if you're unemployed? Unemployment benefits, I think, just ran out uh, a couple of weeks ago. But so yes, that's kind of worrying still... a little bit too because... And that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it's been propped up and it's scary because that's, if that runs out and then two months down the line, down the line, that, now that's when people's houses are getting repossessed and cars are getting repossessed. And if there's no jobs, then it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. So do you play any other uh, commodities like uh, gold, Bitcoin, cryptos? I, I have some bullion, but I don't play any crypto. No, I'm, I'm way too scared. <laughs> crypto did take a little bit of a jump. I did. Last, I saw like, I watch it. Yeah. yeah. One it's of my, of one of my, one of my good friends, Chris Dunn, um, he was one of the first people to actively trade uh, Bitcoin. Um, so, and when he, when he like a millionaire, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Yeah. When he like first jumped into it, I was like, dude, what is this scam? What, <laughs> what is this bullshit? I'm like, I'm not buying that. That's crazy. Um, and I think that was, I think it was at like 500 bucks a coin back then. So I would have been a millionaire too, if I bought. 
but you look at you look at how you're saying it, everything's propped up so there's gonna yeah. be it's super uncertain i talk to investors a lot and they're yep. saying like this is a it's teetering here this is a very scary oh, yeah. time to be in the market um so if it, if it goes bust and it starts to go crazy, like I feel like people are going to put more trust into Bitcoin or Ethereum or these cryptos or sure. gold or different yep. commodities that are not yep. the U.S. dollar. They're talking that the yep. U.S. dollar could, could become um, up, upheaved as the world um, currency. So yeah, in the, the world standard. currency for like, what, I don't know, 100 years or something. Mm. The standard. So now if that changes... I mean, I'm not that big of an economist. I don't know how that would affect everything, but I don't think it's a good thing. I I, I personally don't see that happening. Um, but again, it's really hard to predict the future. But I if I think if that happens, I think the entire world is fuck, hell in a handbasket. You know what I mean? Like the entire world's fucked if that happens. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. I do think that America is about to be hit hard, though. Hard. Harder than people think. I think that there's this like there's kind of like this veil over people's eyes in America right now, where it's it's like business as usual, but you got to wear a mask, right? Um, but it's not business as usual, and I think that people Americans are very proud people. Um, you know, travel to a lot of different countries, and most other places aren't as uh, they're not as like they're not as proud. Like they don't they'll they'll tell you what's going on. If something's wrong, you'll know something's wrong. Americans, for some reason, man, they could be fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt and still driving their Porsche around and not care. You know, it's just weird. But I think that I think something's coming. I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't want to give speculations or, you know, make people scared. I hate yeah. hate fear mongering. But again, I I can only tell you my personal situation and that is I'm trying to stay liquid. We have money and property, but besides that it's it's mostly in cash. Yeah. Um yeah, you know you're right. No one can, no one can predict it. It's all speculation. Anything you hear at this point is all speculation. And, and, you know, this isn't investment advice or anything, but um, when you look at, you know, I want to just say one more point to this and we'll move on to another topic here. But when, um, when, you know, I look at when COVID started, the markets were topping at that point. And then people didn't heed the warnings. They're like, they knew it was coming. They knew COVID was coming, but how could that not affect the market? But yet it was still topping, topping, topping. Obviously the smart ones, like all the CEOs in America pulled out all their money, but then a lot of citizens lost a ton of money. And we're kind of back to that now. It's like, we know the economy is going to be fucked because of like the stimuluses, all the inflation, too much currency moving around. Yeah. So kind of got to like heed the warning a little bit. um, Yeah, I agree. Or at least like, at least, at least prepare, have some sort of, um, start saving something or, you know, start selling stuff off. I mean, when your financial advisor downgrades from a, from a house to a condo, you know, something, something might be coming. Like you got to start looking at what these people are doing. Yeah. So, and again, I think that if that does happen, if for some reason people start losing their jobs and they can't pay for their mortgages and stuff and the economy gets hit really hard in America, I, I do think that that trend will hit vintage at some point it has to it has to just the um, lack of money people have to spend it's it just the lack of money yeah. yeah and i hate I, to say it but i i hope i hope to god that these people that are paying thousands of dollars for t-shirts i hope that they have unlimited money because like they're not spending those, their rent money here yeah man and i think that you know i don't know just be safe 
<laughs> Don't spend I, your I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day, the group chat pod. Um, anyway, he was talking about on, uh, homeless rates in America, where like mm. even California, they predict 37% eviction because of this. And then that, as he said, he said some states were in the 40% eviction rates, which is terrible. That's like massive economic crisis. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super scary, super scary stuff. But so that's why you have multiple Florida, man. You live in Florida, and there's Florida was like the butt of a joke through the whole COVID. I know, I know. <laughs> Florida is such a weird place, dude. It's such a weird place. People, people are so tense, so on edge, you know? Um, and I hate it. Like, it's it's hard to even like have a friendly conversation with someone anymore because it, it always goes boils back down to like politics or um are you a masker or a non-masker or whatever it is like people are so weird here in florida it's like dude just wear the wear the fucking mask shut up and you'll be fine i promise you know yeah um that's i, I, I used to go to florida a lot my grandparents lived there when i was young and we lived on the east coast i'm originally from yeah. uh, near toronto so okay. we would do the drive down at least once or twice a year go to disney yeah. world all the time but i haven't gone back in years now yeah i i love it here and i hate it here like i i really like where we are we have a nice little house where we can walk to the store i really like our new property um we have a good group of friends here. My family's here. So I like that about Florida. I love the beach. I love the water. Um, it gets hot as balls, so I don't like that. <laughs> you um, did, right? Yeah. Okay. But it's fine. It's fine. I want to talk about um, income because you don't have to tell me your deep, dark secrets, but you share this on your YouTube a lot. Like you'll literally yeah. post a video being like, we made this much money from this and everything. So sure. when you look at incomes uh, and we have kind of touched on it, cause you said it's important to diversify incomes, which I agree myself. You know, I have Frankie F is in Frank, two yeah. stores, uh, a wholesale business, you know, all these different yeah, things I do. You're a goat, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I don't touch your, you're making like fuck off YouTube money even. Oh, uh, not really. I mean, it's all relative. You know what I mean? Like even our YouTube channel in the grand scheme of things, we're tiny. We're hundred, almost 150,000 subscribers, which is a lot in reselling. But I mean, come on, there's massive channels out there. But that's just one facet. Like you, you, you yeah. said in a video, you're potentially making, was it a hundred K a year? Off YouTube? Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. That's good. That's like, for, for some people, that's like, that's all they would need. Right. And mm. beautiful thing about that there's no back expense besides your time. Correct. You don't have Correct. to pay inventory costs. You don't have to pay rent for Correct. that. I mean, you pay rents, but it's like not built into the, so that's yeah, amazing. It's, it is, it's, it is. Um, but it is a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Like making the videos, editing the videos, doing the SEO, making sure that they get out there the right way, doing the thumbnails. It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, and I think it takes a certain personality to be able to do it over and over and over again. Like, I mean, we've, we've been on YouTube almost in October. We, it'll be three, three years, I think three years That's on you, like for, for making videos. Growth, on man. Yeah. So selfish, selfish question. All right. Some tips, man. How do I, how do I $100,000 a year on YouTube? I know I'm not that consistent. Um, but. Okay. So I think the biggest tip I can give you is you have to get into a 
you have to get into a different um, clientele base. Not that there's anything wrong with just vintage, but I think going in, like you're going into investing and stuff, that's the smartest move that you've made going on your YouTube and podcast. Uh, because the money on YouTube, the ad revenue money comes from women and uh, over 35 age group usually. Really? Yes, because they click on ads and they shop. No shit. Okay. Yeah. So that's why if you look at like a, a, like a gamer channel um, where most of their audience is male and under 17 years old, their CPM, you know what CPM is obviously? Um, like, yeah. So CPM is for those listening, CPM is how much money you make per thousand views. So per thousand views, if you're making 50 cents uh, or if you're making a dollar per thousand views and your video gets 50,000 views, you make 50, you make $500, right? Yeah. Did I do that right? Well, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, $5,000. 50, 50 bucks. 50 bucks. First thousand, Whatever. yeah. Anyway. Don't, no, don't trust anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so what I've said is that the, the amount of money that you make per thousand views varies based on your demographic that you're targeting. So if you're a gaming channel and your, your audience is mostly young males that don't have expendable income, your CPM is probably like 50 cents to a dollar. When you get into financial stuff or reselling in the, in the right aspect, right? Our CPM is like $15. So it's a much, much higher CPM. Because so, you, have, you have that demographic of correct generalized resellers, but they're older women, they're older men, they're yes. on ads. Yes, yes. So, and, and even going further, because I watch all this stuff, during COVID, um, we've been making a lot of videos around vintage t-shirts, unboxings and all that stuff. Those videos make far less money than doing a video teaching eBay or doing a video showing finances or doing a ride along thrift video. They because got, it's, they got 6,000 bucks to spend on a t-shirt. Bro. But don't click on a goddamn ad. <laughs> There's no advertisers. Like you got to have the advertisers that want to, you know, the biggest oh. advertisers is, would be Macari probably on e That's on, actually uh, a very good tip, dude. Thank you. And I, I look at stuff. Oh. I've, I've done videos. On, I just like, whatever's, I'm just yeah. like, this is me in my head. Sure. I'll make a video on whatever. Yeah. But I look at some of the most successful ones and a bunch of them have been about marketing like generalized, like YouTube, um, Shopify marketing stuff or whatever I post, yeah. those videos seem to do great. Even like books, some of my book reviews, which are just random have done really well. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and then, you know, uh, a, a channel that I think does really, really well with this is, I don't know if, if you've seen his videos, but there's a guy named Graham Stefan. No. Um, go look at his channel. He does, I mean, he's making like a hundred thousand dollars a month off of his finance channel where he just talks about like, you know, everything to do with finance, investing, credit cards, financial advice, real estate investing, all that good stuff. Um, but it's very well done. And he's literally just in a studio. He does most of his videos sitting in the studio and makes six figures a month off YouTube revenue. So there's ways to do it if you target the right area. Um, but, but at the end of the day, like I still think with YouTube, like for it to be sustainable, it still has to be something that you enjoy doing. So like for me, if, if all I did was this, like sit in the studio and teach, I would get so bored so fast doing those videos. I have to go out and hunt and pick and do something that I like to do. And that's why I don't really care that the, like the vintage unboxing videos on YouTube aren't making as much money as other videos because I enjoy that. And sometimes it's not about making money on YouTube. It's just about, I just want to unbox something and it's cool to me. Right. Yeah, totally. No, I agree. 
and the reason I started do, putting out all this content in the beginning, this podcast, because I do enjoy helping people as I'm getting older. It's yeah. like what fuels me more and more and more, right? So How old are you? Um, I'll be 40 this month. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not that much older than me, man. How old are you? 32. 32. Yeah. A few years, a few years. Yeah, 40 this yeah. month, man. So it's a part but I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old timer in this game. <laughs> so you're a, you're a godfather man <laughs> we look at uh old head is a mentality you know old i know i know true. it's crazy it's um, crazy there's a lot there's a lot younger people than us that have already adapted the old head mentality and are hating that's on the true. game and that's put themselves true, in weird weird that's true bad spiral scenarios but, but there's also a lot of younger people than us crushing it too it's true crushing totally. it doing stuff way better than me oh yeah dude i'm like i get inspired all the time and you know, I look at, uh, you know, we did this for so long and I, people have told me that like they used to, they used to come on our website to learn about vintage, right? Yeah. Obviously they sold a lot too, but they used to come to learn and see what we were selling. And then they would go yeah. and thrift if they, they saw it in the thrift used to like, now kids will look up on eBay completed, but they used to actually sure. go to F and Frank because we were one of the only sites doing a lot of that. That's um, crazy. And then we inspired like a generation that's more like their early thirties. And then they inspired this new generation. So you talk to kids now and they're like, Sean Witherspoon got me in the game or right. that generation. So it's like this trickle down of generations yeah. and it's, it's, it's cool. cool to see. Yeah. I love it. And it's so cool to see like the different, the different style of vintage and what the younger generation starting to get into. Like, you know, 2005 to 2010 T's are starting to be cool. They're starting to be cool. You know what I mean? And there are. I, that's, that's awesome. And, yeah. and we have to learn that too. I do anyway. Cause I, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, I, for me too, man, like I don't yeah. have a good knowledge of cartoons from 2010. I was like exactly. already in my twenties. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with my younger brother, Ben, cause he's, he's, you know, at least a generation below me where he has an eye for certain things that I just wouldn't see. So it's cool. So that's a good topic, Ben. Um, I don't know if I even knew your brothers in the beginning, but then I put it together. Was he always working with you guys or was he doing his own thing at first? So he still does his own thing. And he started, he started doing his own thing. He probably always will do his own thing. Um, ben just works with us for like pictures and he'll, he'll get inventory from us sometimes. Um, but Ben and his page and his Instagram, it's all his own thing. Yeah. And he started doing that before working with us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's cool. They get to work with your brother. I work with my brother. I love it. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to the income for a second. Okay. You got eBay, you got YouTube income, you got uh, Instagram income, you have wholesale income, you have your program income. Mm -hmm. Obviously your big ones are like your eBay and now probably the t-shirts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wholesale. Uh, we do, we do pretty well on mentoring as well. So we'll do, we do mentoring usually four to six times a year. And that'll bring in like a hundred to 150 K for the per, per round or for the whole no, year. No, no total for the year. For the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what's like the breakdown between like your eBay income and t-shirts. Are you making more on t-shirts now than eBay? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You just went right in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't mess around, man. I have like kind of an obsessive uh, behavior with certain things. So if I like something, I think that's why YouTube grew so fast too. Cause I really like YouTube. I still do. Um, 
but I, I went hard into YouTube doing it, doing something different and going really hard into it. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with vintage. And the funny thing is like going, when I first started doing YouTube, there were these uh, big reseller channels out there already. And the same thing happened where people hated on us because we were doing something different and doing it in a little bit of a unique, better way than them. And then eventually those people became our friends and now our accounts are bigger than theirs. So, and then we're doing the same thing with vintage. We're not trying to hurt anybody. Um, we're trying to better the community, but we're trying to make money doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, man. I mean, that's the end of my, uh, I mean, the last question I want to ask actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you're a smart guy. I always tell people that I'm like, Thanks. no, we do. Appreciate I mean, just, it. just from outside looking in, you can, you can tell that cause you're making moves. Um, what are your growth plans and you know, how does this relate to your goals? And do you guys set year over year financial goals for all these different departments of your company? Yep. And like if you could give us uh, some of your future plans here. Sure. Um, so the, there's different aspects to the business. So the, the first thing is like, we are comfortable, which is dangerous. Um, I think that sometimes it's not good to be comfortable. So we will switch things up just to try to get out of that comfort zone. Um, but if we, if we, all we do is maintain and we provide a good income for our employees and a little bit of money for ourselves, and we're able to take time off to travel, that's our biggest thing. Haven't been able to do it this year. Um, but we try to take off like two months a year to travel. Nice. So if we can run a sustainable business and keep doing that and, and not grow, we're, we're not trying to be a 20, $30 million company. All we want to do is sustain, help a few people out and pay our bills. Um, and live like as stress-free life as we possibly can. So, so yeah, I mean, if all we, if all we do is maintain, I have no issues with that <clears throat> on the vintage side of things. Um, we do want to open stores at some point, uh, we're, we're starting to plan a few things to do with that. So you want to open vintage stores? Yeah. In Florida? Yeah. Or you don't know where yet? Uh, probably, probably the first one in Florida. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Okay. No cool. promises. Um, okay. but yeah, so we want to, we do want like a physical location for, uh, for vintage. Uh, we want to keep doing our boxes, keep doing individual sales, keep building eBay. Um, but I don't know. So the thing about reselling too, is like, people ask me that ask me like, do you think you'll always do what you do? And the answer is, yeah, I'll, I'll always resell something. I don't know what though. Like, from where we started reselling to where we are now, I wouldn't have thought that we would be selling exactly what we're selling now. So for, for me, like I would like to get into bigger, riskier things. So maybe an example, more, yeah. more property, property type things. Uh, we're going to, we're going to try to like buy a piece of property a year for the next eight years. So by the time we're 40, you know, we'll have 10 properties. So, that kind of plays into my next question. Is that sort of your retirement plan then in property? Yeah. I mean, we, we have a 401k, we have a SEP IRA. Like we try to put money away into actual retirement accounts too. Um, but property, I like property. It's, it's a very cool asset. You know, yeah. like we bought the, this house that I'm in right now, we bought it as a short sale um, and it's more than doubled in value since we so bought what, it. Oh, that's a uh, repo from the bank, a short sale. Yeah. Nice. And how did you go about finding that short sale? Through a realtor. When we came really back from, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it something was, that like, in, 
I admire, you know, in Florida, you can do that. It's really tricky in Canada because we don't mm-hmm. like you're in Florida has one of the cheaper housing markets in the country. It does. Right? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Cost of living here is pretty cheap. It's getting more expensive lately, but it's, it's still fairly cheap. Yeah. Um, well, good for you for doing that. So it, it, you got it on a crazy wholesale deal anyway, and the property value went up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So will you look for more properties with the same on a short sale? Uh, so right now there isn't a lot of inventory for short sale foreclosures, but again, going back to the market, I think the market's going to crash in the next year. And when that happens, we'll try to load up on inventory then. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks because it's like at the expense of other people, which I hate. Um, But it's the way the things go, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I agree. Um, I have a couple properties. Well, I have a commercial building that we just bought a couple years ago. That's going to be turned into a dispensary pretty soon here. Cause Oh, sweet is legal in Canada, man. Oh yeah. It's on the ballot here. (laughs) Nice. And then medical medical here in Florida. Um, and we want to invest in the States, man. So I'll be with you shopping out some properties when, uh, dope. Yeah. So commercial real estate is something I want to get into at some point. Uh, we, uh, I have a commercial piece of land with nothing on it. That's it. But I would like to get into commercial. It's very expensive here. How many properties do you have? Uh, just three. Okay. The one you live in, the ranch, and then a, a piece of land? Yeah. Sweet. So yeah. what are you going to do with the land? Because that's when you buy land, you're still paying that off, unless you've already paid it off. But We bought it cash, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Tax. Yeah, it's just the tax. But I don't know. We we bought it to develop a, a retail space on it for the company. Um, but it was so expensive, so expensive to build on it that we ended up buying the ranch because it was too expensive to build on it. And all those buildings on the ranch were there. Yeah. We bought that ranch. We bought five acres with the two buildings on it for less than what it would have cost us to build a uh, thousand square foot building on that commercial piece of property. Wow. And is there a, is there a a residence on the ranch? Uh, There's like a little trailer in the back that we rent out. Oh, cool. So the person who had it before was like living in the trailer or was that your, it was a, it was a church. So like, I don't know. Yeah, bro. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was a church. So um, I don't know who was living in the trailer back there, but it was a disaster. The trailer, uh, I don't even know if anybody was living in there, but it actually worked out awesome. We we met this really, really nice guy um, and he we ended up giving him the trailer and he's like completely renovated it. He's super handy. He's like fixing it up and stuff. And then he like helps maintain our property and pays us like a little bit of rent and it's like having a full-time security guard there too. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah. That's handy, man. For sure. Okay. Do you have a challenge for the listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking about this and I was like, uh, what do I do? I don't want to do anything like too cliche and reselling. Um, And I decided the challenge that I want to throw out there is get off of social media for like, I don't know, three days, maybe maybe three days. It's, it's so toxic right now, man. It is. And sometimes it's so nice just to like cleanse yourself of, of that, of, of everything that's out there. So yeah, that's my challenge. Like don't go on Facebook. It's it's a hard challenge, dude. It's a hard challenge. I think there's levels too. Like, you know, sometimes I'll take breaks of looking at anything, but I'll be like, I'm going to, I'll post and I'll only look at people who, who have, send me a message, but I won't scroll anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And take even that kind of break is really good. Yeah. 
it's and- it's a tough it's a tough one for me because I read every single YouTube comment that we get, and I try to like reply to it. And dude, I like I'm one of those people that is I won't react, but it'll hit home. You know what I mean? So like good and bad. I love getting good comments and the bad comments, they irk me sometimes. And sometimes I just have to be like, all right, I'm not, I'm not even looking at the comments of this video, you know? So yeah, I've learned to uh, just laugh, laugh those off, but Oh yeah. I think we're going into a bit of a, uh, you know, this goes in with your challenge, but I think we're going into a mental health crisis because of COVID and because of people spending too much time online, too much time alone online, Mm. you know, held up in small spaces, not having access to nature. So I think that's a good challenge. I think, you know, you gotta get outside, you gotta breathe the fresh air and yeah, maybe we can add that to it. Like go outside, get off social media, go outside. I, I started, um, like a month ago, I started doing a thing where as much time as I spend on social media, I have to spend outside exercising. And it's, it's helped me immensely because I actually got in a, in a bad like depression for a while there. Um, because it, I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's very depressing sitting at home doing nothing, not seeing friends, not seeing family, just like being cooped up. Um, even, even like this is nice, like doing zoom calls and stuff is it's awesome. Um, but it doesn't, it still doesn't like, it doesn't take the place of human interaction face to face. So I don't know, man, but social media. Yeah, man, there's, there's some like ne- super ne- uh, negative stuff out there right now. And I think there you have it. people, people deserve a break. Take a break, go outside, breathe some fresh air, get your head straight. Ryan, that was a great episode, dude. Thank Thanks, you for bro. coming on. Appreciate we got, it. We got yeah. all my notes covered. Talked about no, a lot bro. of stuff. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, dude. Anybody who wants to like connect with me or like reach out on social media, I know I just say get off social media, <laughs> uh, but like I'm a, I'm a super friendly guy and I, I talk to people on Instagram all the time. Um, and I'm, I'll, you know, I try to be as real as I possibly can. So if you want to reach out to me, if you have any questions about anything, I'm pretty open. Feel free to send me a DM. Okay. Any last shout outs beyond that? Shout out Drew for bringing me on this podcast, man. This is fun. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> that you guys are out there helping people. You know, it's it's good. It's good karma. It's good for the world. Thanks, okay. bro. Appreciate you. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun recording it. Ryan's a super nice guy. It was a great chat. And if you learned something, if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. You know, show some love. Also. If you appreciate what I'm doing, go check out my Patreon. There's lots more exclusive content on there. There's different levels you can sign up for. So go check that out. At the very least, use my Amazon link down below. Buy something. It helps me out. I also have a huge selection of books down there you can choose from that will help you on your journey. Okay? Have a good one. See you on the next show.